Switching to Geico is a good idea, especially when you consider everything. First off, Geico makes it easy to switch. They have licensed agents available 24-7 online or over the phone. But if it's so easy, you might start thinking everything is easy, even big wave surfing. And it's not. It's actually quite difficult. Well, if you switch to Geico, you could save hundreds on car insurance. And you could keep saving by bundling your motorcycle, boat, and RV, plus your home or renter's insurance. But saving money might lead you to make some questionable purchases, like a 20-foot feather boa. And do you know how hard it is to clean a 20-foot feather boa? Well, they do have an industry-leading mobile app you can use to pay your bill, file and manage a claim, or add a new driver. But when life gets a little easier, it makes you too confident. And you start calling everyone ace. And you're better than that. Well, Geico has a 97% customer satisfaction rating and has been saving people money for 85 years. It's hard to beat that. But you're right. Switch to Geico. It's obviously a good idea. Welcome back to State of Fear Podcast. I am your host, Chris, and with me, as always, is my good friend, my good buddy, James. What's going on, brother? Hey, man. Welcome back. Uh, episode 33. Yes. Man, we are just just plowing through these, rolling, man. Rolling. Yeah. Rolling, man. Just, I mean, it's crazy. Yeah, tonight we're going to do the great state of New York. Well, most of it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's true. Okay. I have been to New York, so yes. Yeah. So there are very good parts. What What is the New Oh, the Empire State, right? The, the Empire State. New York, New York. Yeah, I got some. Yeah. yeah I mean, if you mind. can make it we, there, you can make it anywhere, right? Uh, That's what Sinatra says anyway. Yeah, who knows? <laughs> well, Sinatra knows apparently. Could be, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah but again, we're October, and I love this month. Yes. Halloween is my number one favorite holiday. Indeed. Followed by it Christmas. It is mine too, yeah. Then Thanksgiving. Yep. Basically, the last three months are the best months of my life. Yep. Yeah. So fantastic. Yeah. So we're uh, we're doing some spooky kind of creepy stuff uh, today. We're gonna be talking about a very, uh, very interesting yet creepy spooky disappearance. I really find those very interesting. Yeah. Me I too. Really find those very really interesting. Yes. Good, good English. <laughs> good New York English, yeah. there, buddy. Hey, you know. And and this one is, is to me is, is also one of those uh, because it just of how little I should I, I can't even say little. The fact that there's absolutely no evidence of his disappearance at all, or him, or him at all, and those are very intriguing. Yes, scary as hell, but yes. very intriguing. Very scary. But before we get into the whole uh, topic of the night, um, let's go ahead and do some fun facts about the great state, indeed, of New York. So why don't you kick it off with the first one there? James? I certainly will. New York was one of the original thirteen from the United States course it was called new york after york which as all we know was sacked by wallace oh wallace (laughs) wallace has sacked york and then he got sacked he only took a sack (laughs) (laughs) that is true the first people to arrive in new york arrived in 10,000 bc (laughs) by cab by cab yes yeah by cab and they were all going to uh central park Adirondack Park in New York is larger than any other national park in the United States, outside of Alaska, of course. The park covers an area of 28 million acres. And I wanted to be sure to include that because today's uh, disappearance took place in uh, Adirondack. How do you say it? 
Adirondack Park. Yeah, <laughs> there we go. Adirondack Park. Anyway, That's a, hey. there's also a secret train station known as Track 61 below the Waldorf Astoria, uh, which is the most famous historical hotel in New York City. During the 1930s, the train station was built for the secret entrance of former President Franklin Roosevelt to the hotel. Isn't that where the slime? Isn't that where the slime river is? In Ghostbusters too. That's correct. I think that is what that, that is. is. That correct. Yeah. Good buddy. Did you know no. that after the Brooklyn Bridge was completed and was open for the public to use, twenty-one elephants, seven camels, and ten dromedaries, whatever the hell those are, basically furry camels, basically furry camels, crossed the bridge to demonstrate that the bridge was safe and ready for use. I'm. I'm talking like this on purpose because that's yeah. the way it's written you should, you should read old time like <laughs> newsflash did you know that the Brooklyn Bridge is open <laughs> the elephant stunt had to be performed because a woman fell from the bridge causing a stampede that killed 12 people well it ain't how is that the, the bridge builder's fault if she fell <laughs> stupid after this news broke out people generally believed the bridge was unsafe and thus the elephant walk came to be Sounds like that scene that is, from Aladdin when he shows up with all his elephants and camels and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Aladdin, sir, will you test this? Well, yeah, what? <laughs> That's the adult version. <laughs> yeah. We'll just leave it at that. <laughs> New York City, New York, is the most linguistically diverse city with over 800 spoken languages, and four in 10 households speak a language other than English. What are you talking about, eh? That, that's that's definitely not English. That's that's one that's of those eight hundred languages. Yeah. yeah, you got the Brooklyn Italians, you got the <laughs> the Queens Italians, you got. <laughs> I think they have more than just the Italians, you know. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But you know, I like the Italians. <laughs> cool. This one is hilarious, and I don't find this odd at all. New Yorkers bite ten times more people than sharks do worldwide every year. That's <laughs> man. Like, the hell's wrong with you people? Jeez. Look, if any place is where the zombie apocalypse is going to start, it's going to be New York. Now, let's put it this way. I did go to New York City. I've been to upstate New York. I've been all around. There's this great restaurant called The Silo. If you're ever there in New York, in Ticonderoga, okay. in that area, I uh, went to the Star Trek Museum there, uh, but they have that restaurant. Fantastic. Eggs Benedict. And the people there are fantastic. Mm. The state is gorgeous. Uh, and I, like I said, and I did go to New York City. Mm -hmm. That's an experience. If you go, take the train from Jersey. Okay. Don't drive. Okay. I mean, I, it, literally, it literally costs 15 bucks just to get, you know, across the Lincoln Bridge to okay. the tunnel. And then it's like another five bucks when you're leaving to get on the turnpike for Jersey. It's 20 bucks a day just to get in and out. Other than that, then you got to pay to park somewhere and oh, then take yeah. cabs everywhere. It's ridiculous. That's how they get you. Yeah. It is ridiculous. Uh, and the cab rides, in New that, it's an experience in itself. Let's mm -hmm. just put it that way. Uh -huh. Down on Times Square, we were at a restaurant uh, eating with uh, one of our friend's uncles. Mm -hmm. We got done, walked down the stairs, and I was like, hey, it's still daylight out. Man, this is awesome. I walked outside. It was pitch black. <laughs> all the lights, of course, were Times Square lights. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We did all the touristy crap. It was a lot of fun, but I am probably never going to go back there. Did you go in the summer or the winter? I actually went in the spring. Oh. We went uh, April, I believe. How it was. was it? Nice? Fantastic. Yeah. Yeah, the, the, it wasn't cold, cold, but it was cool. And it was actually quite nice. The Empire State Building, we did, you know, like I said, we did all the typical stuff, the statue, everything. Yeah. Uh, so I got it all out of the way. Probably never go back. The um, also highly recommend the 9-11 Museum. Okay. It is eerie. Oh, I'm sure. I mean, yeah. it is sad and Ground eerie, zero. but what a beautiful memorial to those people. Yeah. I mean, fantastically done in those fountains that they built where right. the towers used to stand. Right, yeah. And, and you would think as big as they were, those holes would be bigger in the ground. But you look at it, and it's like they're really not that yeah. big of a square. I mean, it's big, right. but it's not like, holy shit. Not what you would think of as being For something that's, so tall. You know, 110 stories tall or whatever yeah. it was. Yeah, it's crazy. Wow. Well, let's get into some uh, famous New Yorkers real quick. Uh, we have the Italian stallion himself, Yo, Rocky Balboa, Sylvester Stallone. One of my hey, favorite yo. actors. I yeah. mean, I'm, I know I his him. acting ability is not good, but his movies are fantastic. Oh, yeah, I love his movies. Even even uh, Stop on My Mom Will Shoot is yes. a great movie. <laughs> yes. <laughs> What's your favorite Stallone movie? 
Well, and, and Ro- we're not counting the Rockies because those are gimmicks. Okay. Those are if I have non to- Rocky, non Rambo. Oh well, shit. Yeah, you gotta take those out because those are those are established franchises. I'm talking about like okay. one offs. Well, let's see. If that was the case, I'd probably go with the Expendables. Okay, I yeah. like the Expendables. Good action. Not bad. Uh, also, Escape Plan. I like. I that said series. one. I said one favorite. Not 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 two. But yeah, well, I'll go with those then. Okay. Four I'm gonna now. go. I'm gonna go Demolition Man. Demolition Man is fantastic. It's ahead of his time, I think. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Uh, next one, Robert Downey Jr. I am. Iron Man. Man. That's right. That's right. He's also Charlie Chaplin. That's right. You'd and get... and he's also uh, <laughs> Tropic Thunder. Yes, that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, and then um, Home Alone Man himself, Macaulay Culkin, is from New York as well. Yep. Yep. And we got our boy Pac. Yep. Tupac Shakur. Tupac Shakur, the rapper, artist, flowist. Uh, yeah. Yeah. He's yep. from there. Uh, Denzel Washington. Zell. That's right. I'm fantastic actor. Oh, yeah. Great fantastic actor. actor. Great actor. Jake. Yo, Jake. Give my money, fool. King Kong ain't got shit, shit on, on me. me. That's right. Oscar winning. Uh, His part in glory. Oh, yeah. I mean, like I said, fantastic actor. Mm-hmm. You can have the last one since you, you drooled since so you, hard when you looked I didn't, up the I, name. I, I'm just surprised you don't know. Alexandria, or, uh, sorry, Alexandra Daddario. The Daddario. For, for someone who's such a fan of uh, of our other podcast, What the Suck, um, yep. you'd be a fan of hers. Okay. She's a good actress, though. Yeah. She, okay. Yeah, all right. So that are those are some famous people from New York. There are tons of others. I mean, oh my God. way too many to the list. Yeah, but, we looked yeah. it up, and there was like pages and pages. We're like, we, we, we just need to pick six and be done with it, because there's so <laughs> many people. Good, bad, infamous. We're just, we, we can't go through more than that, for sure. Yep, true yeah, true enough. Yeah, but why don't we go ahead and get into your uh, story of the day, buddy? Let's do it, brother. All right, here we go, folks. We got a good one this week uh, for all of you uh, nerds out there. All you nerds. Are you time travel? I'm actually a time travel nerd myself. Me too. So, yeah. I like it. Yeah. yeah, I'm in that group. All right. The article's title is Paradox-Free Time Travel is Theoretically Possible, the researchers say. The article is dated 27 September of 2020, just recent, written by Matthew Schwartz. May the Schwartz be with you. <laughs> good one. The past is obdurate, Stephen King wrote in a book about a man who goes back in time to prevent the Kennedy assassination. It doesn't want to be changed. Sure it does. Turns out King might have been on to something. Countless science fiction tales have been explored of the paradox of what would happen if you went back in time and did something in the past that endangered the future. Perhaps like killed your old self. Killed your grandpa. Something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Perhaps one of the most famous pop culture examples is in Back to the Future, my favorite personally. When it comes to time travel movies, there's none better. Great movie. When Marty McFly goes back in time and accidentally stops his parents from meeting, putting his own existence in jeopardy. (laughs) (laughs) He's a peeping Tom. (laughs) I was actually just, I was just telling you earlier, I was actually watching these movies today. Mm -hmm. Just, you know, lounging around being lazy before I came out. Right, right. But maybe McFly wasn't in much danger at all. According to a, pa- a, according to a new paper from the researchers at the University of Queensland, even if time travel were possible, the paradox couldn't actually exist. Researchers ran the numbers and determined that even if you made a change in the past, the timeline would essentially self-correct, ensuring whatever happened to you back in time would still happen. Oh, man. So if you went back in time and gave yourselves the lottery numbers, you st- you you would still be broke. You still be broke. Yeah. Yeah, that's not fair. So it, it's a self-correcting paradox-free time travel is what it's Interesting saying. theory. Yeah. To quote, say you traveled in time in an attempt to stop COVID-19's patient zero from being exposed to the virus. University of Queensland scientist Fabio Great Costa Great name. Fabio. Fabio Costa told the university's 
news service. However, if you stop that individual from becoming infected, that would eliminate the motivation for you to go back and stop the pandemic in the first place. What? Why would it eliminate? Never mind. Said Costum, who co-authored the paper with honors undergraduate student Jermaine Tobar. To quote, this is a paradox, an inconsistency that often leads people to think that time travel cannot occur in our universe. I bet it can. A variation is known as the grandfather paradox in which time traveler kills their own grandfather in the process, preventing the time traveler's birth. That we just actually spoke about. Mm -hmm. The logical paradox has given researchers a headache in part because according to Einstein's theory of general relativity, closed time-like curves are possible, theoretically allowing an observer to travel back in time and interact with their, with their past self potentially endangering his, their own existence, his, hers, whatever. But these researchers say that such a paradox wouldn't necessarily exist because events would adjust themselves. Adjust themselves? <laughs> I don't like the sound of that. You like the way it says it? No. Take the coronavirus patient zero example. You might try to stop patient zero from becoming infected, but in doing so, you would catch the virus and become patient zero or someone else would. That makes sense. Tobar told the university's news service. In other words, a time traveler could make changes, but the original outcome would still find a way to happen. Nature finds a way. That's right. Maybe not the same way it happened in the first timeline, but close enough so the time traveler would still exist and would still be motivated to go back in time. So you can't go back and stop the assassination of Kennedy. You can't go back and kill Hitler because if you, if you kill Hitler, someone just as bad, if not worse, would come to power. Either that, or if you like, stop Kennedy's assassination that day, they'd figure out some other way to another take way him out at another point. Exactly. It would just change the history books as to the where and the why, right, and the who, but it still would still happen. It still happened. Yeah, it's and that's got to correct itself in order for the timeline to continue. Yeah. Quote: No matter what you did, the salient events, the salient sounds right to me. Works for me too. Would just recalibrate around you, Tobar said. The paper, Reversible Dynamics with Closed Time-Like Curves and Freedom of Choice, was published last week in the peer-reviewed journal Classical and Quantum Gravity. Rolls right off the tongue. Yes, it does. Blech. The findings seem consistent with another time travel study published this summer in the peer-reviewed journal Physical Review Letters. This, that study found that changes made in the past won't drastically alter the future. Interesting. Yeah, turn me loose. I bet I could make some pretty big impacts. You, so you're saying that you're more powerful than the universe? Than, yes. Than time? You're saying you're more powerful than time? Yes. You. I'm just going to say that. You're just going to say yes? <laughs> All right, moving on. He's more powerful than time, people. Best-selling science fiction author Blake Crouch, who has written extensively about time travel, said the new study seems to support what certain time travel tropes have posited all along. The universe is deterministic and attempts to alter past events X are destined to be forces which bring past event X into being. Mm. I hate when they get over wordy. Crouch told NPR via email, quote, so the future can affect the past or maybe time is just an illusion, but I guess it's all cool that the math checks out. Yeah, so, I mean, this is... Um, That's an interesting topic, actually. I, I've always... I, I mean, I'm, I'm no scientist by far, but I've always felt like uh, time travel was... Time travel to the past, let's put it specifically, was was irrelevant because when you go and change the past, if you change a major event, like the Kennedy assassination, Hitler rising, uh, Stalin, um, the first atomic bomb, something something that's major, you go, you go change that, the... I always thought, I always believe the universe splits off. Yep. Because, because you know, the, the common theory or the, from what I understand, the, the accepted theory of the multiverse uh, is that every decision you make creates another alternate universe. So, okay. you know, if, if you decide to wake up early one morning to go to work, then in an, another universe, that same morning you decided to sleep in. And so your day starts differently earlier in the one universe, universe A, Whereas your day starts late in universe B. Yep. And because of that, your day goes differently. That is very true. And so with big events like that, you you know, you you always believe you go change something like that, then that universe splits off. And the universe you can't say you, you came from universe A and you stopped the Kennedy assassination. Well, 
in universe A, that universe still has the Kennedy assassination. But because you stopped it, you actually caused a split off universe B in which you did actually stop it. Mm-hmm. And so you're, li- you're now living in universe B, which is a whole different universe from where you came from because universe A still exists. That's Kennedy. Interesting. Kennedy yep. still was, was, was assassinated because you and I, everybody yeah. in the world knows, un- that, it knows that it happened. Yeah. But if somebody went back to stop it, they would have split off. And he would be living in that universe where Kennedy was never assassinated, but we would never know. It would have to rewrite the memories of billions of people as well. Well, you know what I mean? Instantaneously right. changing the past. If if it affected universe A. Yeah. But since it affects universe B, everybody going forward from that particular moment, there's no rewriting of their memories because it hadn't happened. Yeah. And there's a couple of crazy examples I'll just run by real quick. Sure. Like first they quote Stephen King at the beginning of this. Could that have been possibly one of his inspirations behind writing the Langoliers? Because remember, the Langoliers would eat dead time. Once past was gone, oh, yeah. these things yeah, would yeah. come and eat the old time. And then if you were in the in the future, of course, yeah. of course, there was nothing happening. Right. So that, it's kind of weird theory, and too. He, he is a, there still a past? Once time is gone, can you actually go back to an old time? Or has that time been evaporated? You know what I mean? Right, right. Could it physically be possible? Still, it still exists. And yeah. I mean, again, maybe it is, but... Again, maybe it, it splits off into a different universe, so we have no idea. And then another goofy movie. This is completely different. The movie Yesterday, if anybody's ever seen that movie. Oh, yeah. I about, about the Beatle thing. Right, right, that right. Was, I mean, it, it's it's a playful, fun movie, mm-hmm. but it has an interesting concept. Yeah. 15-second blackout. He gets in an accident, wakes up in the hospital, and him and, like, two other people on the whole face of the earth remember the Beatles and nobody else does. Right, right. So he writes all their songs, and he goes out and starts to perform it and all this stuff. Mm-hmm. That plus the fact he meets John Lennon, who's still alive, you know. And it's, it's a whole, pretty whole neat different concept. Thing. Right. And, I know. mean, the movie we watched last week, Mandela Effect, had the yes. sort of same type it of It sure did. It, it, they had the chance to correct that mistake. Right. But this is – so this is saying that that doesn't – that is not what happens. It's saying that anytime someone travels to the past and they, and they alter an event, the universe – a, it's it's not going to split off to universe B where the event did or did not happen. It still stays it's, universe it's A. It's stay universe A. It just A. self-corrects somehow. Yep. Which is very, very interesting. And you know what? To me, that kind of plays into the Mandela effect. Because yep. if somebody went back in time to change something and the universe corrected itself and it was different from how it was originally... That sounds just like the Mandela effect. Yep. It's like if you save one life by going back in time, nature will right itself. Maybe take that life in another way, or you may lose your life. You yeah. know, in other words, nature's going to get that soul one way or the other. Time, time is going to re- reestablish itself. Yeah. So, so in that case, it creates false memories of an event that did, a- that did actually happen, but because someone changed it, yeah. the memory is only slightly different, which is where you get things like, you know, no curious George not having a tail. Yeah. You get things like Berenstein versus Berenstein. Yep. Uh, that kind of stuff. To me, exactly. that, that fits more in with the Mandela cool. effect. Yeah. This is, this is an awesome subject, man. I'm telling you what, we could probably do a whole, might do a rest stop episode on some time travel. One we probably day, should. Yeah, yeah. That'd be, that'd be a great Cause episode. I mean, it seems like there's a lot of material we could discuss. Oh my God. I'd be like, you know, and we could probably get on with like some other people from like uh, some of our sister, our sister shows who talk about yeah. time travel as well. And absolutely. Have a whole have a long powwow. six hour, you know, talk that nobody would listen to. So, <laughs> Yeah, yeah, so, all right, buddy. Well, that was a good story. Thanks yes, for sir. sharing. Good hey, find, no man. Problem, I like that man. one a lot. I liked it. Very, very, had me thinking a lot. Had my brain hurting because thanks so much. Man, we got to stop that. <laughs> well, stop that thinking stuff. Let's get into the main story, let's shall we? Let's do it, man. So, 
As I mentioned, today's topic is on a very, very appearance that I literally found out about like three days ago. Wow. Yeah. So that's right. We were going to do a different story. You yeah. We, we were going to cover a, a haunted house in, in the Bronx, the Bronx, the Bronx, New York. But uh, I found out about this uh, disappearance three days ago. It, it, it happened in 2015. But um, the, the second I found out about it, I was like, I'm scrapping that. We're doing this. And I had to spend literally two nights like up hours and hours to try to get all the information I could on this. Hey, mad, so, stupid, dope props to you, my brother, dope. on the Audible, man. Way to go. All right. Because so we haven't, yeah, because we, we haven't done another disappearance in a while since yeah, Georgia. Since Georgia. Yeah. Yeah. So today's topic is on the strange disappearance of Tom Messick. Now, Tom Messick was an experienced hunter, woodsman, and taught hunter and survival training for many years and proudly served as in the U.S. Army as a paratrooper in the 82nd Airborne Division. Hoo-ah! Hoo-ah. That's one of my brothers. That's right. Now, when Tom was in his 20s, an accident caused him to have 159 stitches and lose his right eye Ooh. when some gunpowder exploded in his face. Yipe. And that's in his 20s. This is one tough guy. Okay. Yep. Now, for more than 55 years, Tom had taken a yearly hunting trip into the Adirondack Mountains with a steady group of friends and family. And on November 15th, 2015, a group of seven men left the area of Troy, New York to begin. Hey there, this is Erica Kelly, host of Southern Fried True Crime. I cover contemporary and historical cases, and I love listener suggestions. And like any good gossip, I'm interested in anyone and anything. Come join me as I explore the dark underbelly of the Deep South. I'm a one-woman show in a narrative format, kind of like sitting by the fire and listening to a story. So pull up a chair and subscribe if you're interested. I'd love to have you. You can find me on any of your favorite podcast apps. Just search for Southern Fried True Crime. Until then, y'all take care. In that trip. This group consisted of Tom, his friends Sid Sharp, Alan Rasmussen, Joe Capacelli. I love that name. Capacelli, eh? And uh, Tom's son, Rob, and two other friends. The group usually hunted near Brant Lake in Northeast New York. But that day, they drove two miles southeast along Lily Pond Road to hunt near Lily Pond. The four older hunters, including Tom, were all in their 80s. Wow. Yeah. 80 years old? Just a hardcore hunters, man. Fantastic, man. Yeah. They walked back down Lily Pond Road in 100-yard increments and then stopped and walked into the forest about 30 to 40 yards to take up positions as watchers. Now, what they would do is they would they would, it would each be 100 yards apart, mm-hmm. go 30, 40 yards in, they would stop and sit at some place, and they'd be watchers. Yep. What happened is the three younger men, they would end up going, uh, I believe it was uh, south southeast, about a hundred yards and then curve north another hundred yards into some hilly areas, some hill hill areas. And what they would do is they would be, they would try to flush out game towards the watchers. Yep. And so the three younger men just did, did just that. Uh, Tom's position sat him about 400 yards from Lily pond. So he was a good distance from the lake, which actually it's, it's like a large pond. It's not like a pond. You think it's yeah. a pretty big pond. He was wearing a red plaid cap, camouflage jacket and carrying a walkie talkie, his rifle with three to four bullets and snacks. There is some disagreement as to what Tom was actually doing at this time. As most reports state, he found the large rock and sat and waited while one of his hunting party members, Roland stated, Tom did not stay in his area and got up and walked around, but he's the only one who mentions Tom doing it. Every other report states that he said he found the rock because he's an experienced hunter. He knows yeah. how to do this game. So he's mm-hmm. going to sit there and wait for a game to come. And even him. At that, yeah, he's not going to get himself lost because of his survival training. Right. I mean, he was an extremely experienced hunter, would not stray from where he was expected to be. Also, uh, he had a history of heart problems um, and he had just finished a bout of shingles mm. so he's was not going to be mm. up and walking around all that much if he didn't have to i haven't heard about that but man i heard that hurts yeah i actually have to make sure i get oh, i'm 40 now i gotta make sure i get the vaccine because i had chicken pox so bad when i was a kid yeah i'm almost guaranteed to have it later on if i don't get Ouch. the vaccine yeah for two hours the watchers sat in their designated areas waiting for game to come by but none did now sometime during that two-hour window sid hears a sound that he'd never heard before he stated the sound was like a loud cracking or snapping that seemed to come about approximately 150 feet east of him near the hill area. Mm. He only heard it once and didn't hear it again. At 3 p.m., the remaining men gathered back at their vehicles. When Tom didn't show, they tried calling him on the walkie but received no response. They then began the search of his last known location and area but found no indication of Tom. No clothing, no food wrappers, no rifle, 
no shells and no spent shells. Mm. Nothing at all. They fired several shots into the air and called for him over and over while another member called the ranger station. When night came, the group split up and three stayed in the area with the truck overnight and began driving up and down the road, blaring their horn, firing shots and calling Tom's name. On Monday, November 16th, more than two dozen state forest rangers, state police and volunteers assembled in Horicon, New York to begin their search for Tom, but no trace was found that day. Tuesday, the 17th, the search was joined by 34 volunteers from the New York State Federation for Search and Rescue Teams. An estimated 130 people went out looking for Tom, including dogs and a state police helicopter. Mm. No trace was found. That's crazy. This is this is like a day. By, by now, this is two days. Uh, and not a single. And, and, and the other members of his party were less than 100 yards from him. Yeah. So, and one, he, he was... Yes, he was the very last one out because it was, I think it was Sid, Al, um, the other guy, Joe, and then then Tom was the furthest from the lake. But yeah, they weren't that far apart. Wednesday the 18th brought a new round of searching as they were joined by the Warren County Sheriff's Office, state conservation officers, and the FBI. Now, there's been some controversy brought up about this as to why the FBI got involved because normally they don't get involved in missing person cases. However, a quick search of the FBI website says that while... They will actively investigate missing person cases of children 12 or under. They will only get involved in other missing person cases when requested by local authority. Okay. So while there is no inclusion of the fact that any, in any stories I could find, I think it can be assumed that someone at some point reached out to the FBI um, as not only was this man elderly, but he was also a veteran. Yeah. And, and they usually deal with kidnappings, too. See, right. they may have thought it might have been an abduction of some sort. Well, they also, they, uh, well, no, because there was no indication of, because the, the co- initial cops that went up there found no indication of foul play. No indication, there was no note, no ransom note, no indication of why he had been kidnapped. Um, and the FBI will get involved uh, on a missing person cases when there's no indication of foul play or kidnapping, but only yeah. when requested. Crazy. Yeah. The teams expanded their search in areas that had not been searched earlier in the week in addition to combing the area of the last known location. Again, the searchers turned up nothing. Not a rifle, no rounds, no spent shells, food, clothing, nothing. By Saturday, November the 20th, the number of searchers rose to over 200, and by this point, the disappearance was starting to unnerve many people. Experienced searchers are unable to ascertain how an 82-year-old who has a history of heart problems, has a hearing aid, who's missing one eye, and was recovering from a bout of shingles could have escaped their search so far. The area where Messick was lost is state land bordered by roads and homes, which was deemed to limit how far he could have traveled without coming upon shelter or assistance. But the searchers had covered over four miles around the spot he was last seen. And while there were some wooded and swampy spots, it's not too terribly thick or a difficult area of the woods. Mm. By the ninth day of searching, ninth consecutive day of searching, miles of forest had been searched. 29 miles were walked with trained search dogs. Dozens of hours were flown in helicopters and a number of ponds were checked via boats. Wow. The Department of of Environmental Conservation brought in 106 members of the state's Corrections Emergency Response Team, a group of state correction officers trained to find escaped prison inmates. And still no single trace of Tom Messick had been found. That, I'm going to tell you what, it's starting to get kind of creepy. Yeah. You know, when that, that kind of disappearance happens, it just makes you... This is an 82-year-old man. 82-year-old dude. I think he was like he was like 5'8 or something. It's average, average height, but, man. you know, he was wearing a red cap. Yeah. He was an experienced hunter, and while they hadn't... While the group hadn't hunted in near Lily Pond before, they had hunted near Brant Lake, which is not too far. It's like 12 miles away from that. I wonder if it's your boy come back. Who, Bigfoot? Bigfoot. Big him. I don't know. They might have found some footprints, but then again, you never know. I think, yeah, they would have said that if they did, but the loud cracking maybe could have been Bigfoot smacking a tree or something. You never know. Yeah. Or maybe, you don't know. See, yeah. that's the only thing they said. They heard a loud crack, and then the old man disappeared. But everything disappeared. His, his rifle, everything yeah. was gone. Yeah. This brought the number of people searching to over 300. There's been no trace of Messick, but there is no indication of foul play but he only had a few candy bars on him and no water. In the days since his disappearance, the temperature at night had dropped to the 20s, and he was not wearing any winter clothes. Okay. 
Now, I'm also going back to his survival training. See, these rangers and these special forces guys, these airborne rangers and stuff like that. Oh, yeah. They're badass. Oh, yeah, they are. They know how to get through that. I'm wondering. It's just a, just a theory, mm-hmm. but I'm wondering if he just wanted to disappear. Maybe he was in emotional state, okay. and he's decided to vanish. A guy with that kind of training can evade a search. You know, if he if he still has his full fact, probably would. He wouldn't be out there with a firearm and stuff, I don't think, if he was not of right state of mind. Or I also like think that, that if, if a guy who has that amount of training wanted to do, wanted to escape, he probably would have found a better time than when he went with with, with six other people. Well, they said a 7.3-mile diameter. Right. A trained man, even an old guy like him, if it was not difficult to rain – could probably traverse several more miles than that if he was any kind of good shape. You know, okay. he might have been in decent shape. My grandfather yeah. was in great shape up into his early 90s. I mean, he could hike, walk, climb, do whatever. But this I, also... I mean, I don't know. That's just, I'm just tossing that out as a possibility. This also would indicate that he pre premeditated this, which means that he would have... He didn't have any sort of survival gear on him at that day. Yeah. So him being a survivalist would have had to pack a pack get a pack together, place it at the rock that he knew so that when he got to the rock, he could uncover the pack with his, with his, you know, water, some yep. food, some water rations and some clothing, which he needs, which any yep. survivalist know you need. And, and at the very least he had a rifle, but, but at the very least a, a hunting knife. Yep. You got to have a hunting knife um, and pack all that, take it to the rock where he knew he was going to be that day. Stage even though, it and then haul it. Even though they had, they had never been there before. So to me, that kind of that kind of rules that out because they had never been to that part of the forest before. So they know, but then again, it's like you said, it's highly unlikely. But it's just it's just something I was yeah, thinking of while right. you've been reading the story here. Yeah, I've been kind of thinking that maybe he just wanted to vanish. Maybe he was through with life because I had the same thought doing the research. Yeah, because because I I poured over. Uh, there's one uh, one of the one of the resources that I found, which will be in the show notes. They had a timeline of the entire first like uh, six months, gotcha. right? Of all the different articles that came out during the searches and after the searches. And so while I was reading it, I was like, okay, at some point, I thought maybe maybe he just wanted to disappear. Yeah. But there was never any indication that he prepared to disappear. And as we mentioned, he's a he's a ranger. Yep. He's a hunter, a survivalist, so he knows how to do this stuff. So he yeah. would know he would have to have elements to survive in advance and you'd be surprised what you can do in the woods right you but know. he also was recovering from shingles he had heart problems yeah so him being the experienced individual he was probably would have realized that this was not the right time to stage an elaborate escape yeah and that's it and that was another thing i was going to talk about is the pond but you said they air search the ponds and stuff like that yeah. and from that high up you can see a pond almost all the way to the bottom right you know exactly. helicopter it's not a stuff, lake it's a so pond it's, exactly it's, so yeah. and if he had a red hat on and clothing, they would have been able to spot spot it. the red hat. Or red, or something. Not in the hat, nothing was found. Yeah, the search continued as is through November twenty fifth, when Messick's family members requested that the searchers spend time with their friends and family because this was Thanksgiving weekend, and thus the search was scaled back, with plans to start anew on Friday, November twenty seventh. By that time, over five thousand acres and eight miles of the area around Lily Pond had been searched. Holy crap! 5,000 acres is enormous. Yeah, it's huge. However, when the search was renewed on Friday, November 27th, it wasn't with the full 300-plus individuals it had. This is another uh, aspect that gave me chills. On November 24th, 2015, in Saratoga County, just 50 miles from the spot where Tom Messick went missing, 68-year-old Fred Drum left his home on Burgoyne Road about 10 a.m. to do a walk of his 170-acre property and never returned home. Some of the rangers involved were reassigned to the drum case. Drum is a white male, approximately 5'5 and 175 pounds. And Drum had retired from a job with the National Grid and had been a member of the Saratoga Town Board at the time he went missing, but had declined to run for re-election and his term was set to expire in the end of 2015. What is the National Grid? That is interesting. I've never heard of that. I haven't either. Let's find out real quick. Natural Grid, natural gas and electricity. Natural Grid, yeah, okay. It's, it's New York, uh, New York company, I guess. Oh, actually based out of London, but yeah, that's what it is. A search was conducted of its property along a 1,000 acre adjacent area of land, but no signs of drum turned up. Police said there were no activity on his credit cards, bank accounts, or his personal information that would show he was still alive. His vehicles were all left behind 
One year after Drum's mysterious disappearance, authorities are still on the active search. Wow. There's currently a $10,000 reward for information that leads to finding him. So if anybody has any information, call the Saratoga County Sheriff's Office at 518-885-6761. While this massive search is going on, 50 miles away, a man walks out of his house to do a standard acre check that he probably did every day of his life on and that land. vanishes untraced. And vanishes. No, no credit card usage. His cars are all there. He, he was just wearing his normal clothes. Gone. Jeez. Just gone. Just in the same area. Bigfoot. Yeah. I can't help it. Bigfoot. <laughs> I'm always going to say Bigfoot. That's always yeah. my go-to. It's something. On November 30th, 2015, the search for Tom Messick was scaled back again as two weeks had passed without a single trace of evidence as to what happened to him. Over 8,000 acres had been searched with absolutely no further clues to Messick's disappearance. None of his clothing, his gun, portable radio, or any other belongings were located. By January 2016, more than 10,000 searcher hours were expended, most during the initial intensive 10 days of the search. The DEC said that more than 11 square miles of land were grid searched and nearly three square miles were searched twice. Wow. There were also 269 miles of linear searches and 156 miles of dog-aided searches conducted, and nearly four miles were searched by boat and 16 miles searched by all-terrain vehicle. The active large-scale search was called off not long after, but the case is still being investigated by multiple agencies and, ha and not a single clue or trace of Tom Messick has ever been found. Tom Messick is 5'10", 160 pounds, and was last seen wearing a red plaid cap, camouflage jacket, and duck boots. If anyone has any information, please call New York State Police Troop G Queensbury at 518-745-1035. God bless you, Tom, wherever you are, brother. Man, and that sucks. That what do you think of the story, man? I, Creepy as shit, right? Yeah. I, I mean, mean, when you vanish without a trace, I see at least if there's a trace or some, you know, if they can figure out at least what happened maybe or something right. like that it's something but when it's just like totally just nothing nothing that is just freaking next level i mean because like in the, in the georgia one we did the one of that guy who was a line worker but they found like his boots and some chains yeah and something they found something of him that day they found yeah. they have not found a and this was 2015 yeah they have not found a single Itty bitty trace of what happened to Tom Messick. Yep. And going back to what day. I was saying, yeah. another thing is if they had expert trackers, you would have found tracks, they footsteps, something. Yeah. You know, it's, it's very hard to disguise that. The only way you could do that is like in a heavy snowstorm, which is hope, not. And hopefully your yeah. steps get filled in before they see where you went. But they even, brought in, they brought an inmate search and tracker. Dogs. Dogs. And, and people who who's living it is to find inmate to escape Tell these man. people are expert searchers they they didn't find anything of this and guy. this is the largest national park in the country in the country outside of alaska so, yeah ufo yeah. bigfoot you, you know, know the the large the, the loud snap and cracking also reminds me of some stories i've heard of of sometimes people uh end up coming across like rips in time yeah and they end up in like in different parts of, of time and space or whatever you know you never know because you're right man there are too many stories like this where people just up and Oof. Yeah. Just and out so, of existence, no traces. Now, even though Sid said the sound came to the east of him, which was near the hills, I mean, there could be some reverb or something from where, and maybe it happened. Maybe maybe Tom saw something, saw like a crack or something in the space-time continuum or whatever, just saw a crack in, in the veil yep. and was walking towards it, which happened to be towards the hill when he got snatched, which caused the, the, the hole to close, which may have been the loud cracking or snapping that Sid had heard. I mean, and that's what sucks about this whole thing. It's never going to come out of there. A, I won't say any names, but I had a, uh, a friend mm -hmm. who was out hunting with his father-in-law okay. and the same thing happened. He vanished. Uh -huh. He looked for him. Of course they didn't bring out, they brought out massive search parties right after the fact, but it had snowed and it was not until next spring. They just, they actually found him. Mm. They found his body, you know, okay. he, animals that got to him and stuff like that. Oh. Found him with his rifle, but he didn't respond. My friend did not have any idea where he was. Right. He looked for him and looked for him and looked for him. And he was actually 
in a world of shit there for a while because they suspected foul play. Gotcha. Stuff. Right. So bless his heart. He went through some hell with that one. But they found his body. But they eventually. found it eventually. Yeah. Yes. And it wasn't but a couple miles from where he was looking. Right. Apparently he'd wanted off and he had a heart problem or something and it passed. Same thing with Tom. Couldn't respond. Same and, thing with Tom. And he was all by himself. So covering God knows how big of an area. Right. You know. Yeah. But, but uh, yeah. Same thing with Tom, but they didn't find his body. And that I think that's that's what stuck me the most not not just that they didn't find his body but like nothing i mean because he had candy wrappers he had like snickers with him or whatever yeah no i mean and granted you know experienced outdoorsmen they don't like litter or anything but if he was grabbed and kidnapped there, there's a better than likely chance that like a a empty wrapper would have fallen out of his pocket or he would yeah. use something like that to maybe uh leave a trail of where he was you know some sort of yeah. sign that he was there Nothing. And only 100 yards apart, if there was a UFO, his fellow hunters would have seen it. Oh, yeah, they would have seen it. Yeah, yeah. Seen it, heard it, something. Right. Yeah. And, and there was no, no, nothing out of the ordinary except for that loud crack or snap. Yeah. Man, those, those kind of mysteries are just nuts. But then, but then with, within the same week, the other guy goes missing. Again, no yeah. trace whatsoever. And so, it, if it was just Tom Messick, that in itself is strange enough. That was strange enough. But the fact that you had the other guy go missing in the same area yep. same time frame uh that right there is what drew me to want to actually talk about the story because it's so you know one disappearance is bad enough and it's sad enough and it, it's freaky enough but then when you have two two completely unrelated characters yep you know and and it's not even the same it's not that it's the same state it's the same geographical location it's damn near on top of 50 each other. miles is nothing 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 and for him to go missing as well at the same time Bigfoot is out there snatching people up. Let me snatching tell you. Snatching them up. Yeah. Yep. All right, James. Well, why don't Crazy. you tell the fine folks where they can find, actually find us, because well, we're not we lost. Can, we can be found. Yeah, yes. where we can be found <laughs> if they want to find us. Absolutely. We are on the fourthhand.com network. Of yes, course. sir. We have uh, changed platforms. We are now on Spreaker. Yep. Spreaker.com. But the good thing is that even though we're on Spreaker, we're still on all the podcast we're apps. everywhere. We're also being found on places like TuneIn, on televisions yes. and stuff. Yes. We're everywhere. We are also now on Audible and Amazon yes. Music. And, and we're also on Podbelly. Podbelly, which yes. Which I don't think we were on before. So this new platform, we're getting we're even out more there. out there. Thanks to Spreaker, we, we, we were able to get onto two additional apps that, that I had never heard of because one is focused mainly in Germany. Huh. And one Germany. Is, one is focused in India. Fantastic. We are actually getting out there to a lot more people now. We are some international son bitches. That's right, which is I'm awesome. Telling. Where else can they find us? Uh, of course, they can find us on the Big Evil Facebook. Uh, please go there, like our page. Yes, interact uh, with us, matter. talk to us. We're on please. there. Please, yes. I keep an eye on the post, and I do respond when send I see stuff. Send us story ideas, send us information. If you have any information on the topic recovery, send us that. You know, just send us up, just put a post. We will get back please. to you. Please, yes. We're also on Instagram, of course, and we we are also on Twitter. We also have a Patreon page. Yes, go check out the Patreon. Uh, you can find all of the ad-free episodes there. Um, yes. I'm still working on adding the back catalog because we started this uh, like a month or two ago. And so we were only putting episodes going from that time forward. But I'm adding the back catalog. Yes. Uh, ad-free, of course. All of our blooper gags are on there. Um, we have a ton of that stuff coming in in the pipeline. So go check and it out. And for God's sakes, folks, it's dirt cheap. We it got is dirt the, cheap. We got the $1 level, which will get you access to the bloopers. $5 gets you the special episodes, and it gets you the uh, ad-free, I believe. Yes. And then $10 gets you even more. That's right. I mean, I mean, shh. And don't forget, we have the yeah. um, we have the postcard giveaway. So give us a review. Yes. Send it to State of Fear Podcast at gmail.com. We will send you a 1996 X Files postcard. While we still have, while we still have them. And you know what? And after that, we'll figure out something else. And go check out our merch shops at T Public. Just look, just go yep. to T Public and do a search for State of Fear, and we'll pop right up. Well, you know what, James? I am about ready to get out of this state. Let's go on to the next state. Yeah, it's time to boogie, man. Let Maybe, me reach uh, in the bag here and see yeah, what see I can what we got find. going on. See what you can find uh, for today's indie musician. All right. This is a good one here, brother. This one is called Enemy by David Rosen. He's nice. a he's an award-winning music composer and producer with almost two decades of experience in the industry. And this guy is from Brooklyn, New York. Oh, New York. All right. New York on New York. We hit one. We did one finally. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) All right, man. Well, let's get down the road. Let's get that tape in and then we'll we'll see y'all in the next state. You bet, brother. Let's get on down the road. Let's pop it in.
It's a fact. All cars will eventually break down. If you have CarShield, you can protect yourself from the high cost of auto repairs. And they're America's number one auto protection company. Your transmission, engine, and car's computer system are all covered. Get the ultimate vehicle service protection. Call CarShield now at 800-440-5931. That's 800-440-5931.